Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game-changing strategies which took them from struggle to success. On today's podcast, I interview Camilla Collins, entrepreneur and author and self-image and confidence coach. Camilla talks to me about her battle with self-confidence, from eating disorders to addiction and rehab to her new coaching business. We discuss her journey, including a bodybuilding competition, beating addiction, and how digging into the deeper parts of us are key to our success. Camilla has used her experience in the beauty and makeup industry to create a coaching program that helps build confidence so that her clients can live the life that they want to. Right. Hi, Camilla. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And it's so nice to be here. Thanks so much for having me on, Sonia. Well, I came on yours, didn't I, literally the other day. So uh, it's great to return the favour because um, we've known each other for a little while now. And uh, I just think you've got a really incredible story and uh, you're such an inspiration and how hard you work. So can you just tell everybody who you are, what you do? Oh, bless you. Of course. Um, So my name is Camilla, Camilla Collins, and I am, well, I I initially started out uh, in makeup artistry over a decade ago. And what has been happening over the last couple of years is I have essentially kind of expanded um, what I offer. So it's, I've gone beyond the skin. Um, and it's not just about what's on the outside, it's uh, what's on the inside as well. So really, it's your self-image, which is your internal view of yourself, um, along with your external view of yourself. And so you did something I'm... really interesting a couple of months ago, didn't you? Where Did you go a week or a month without wearing any makeup and you documented it all on social media? I did, I did, yes. Um, and recently I've had lots, lots more of those days. <laughs> There's no need for it. <laughs> no, um, not down. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I just, yeah, it was a little experiment really. And it wasn't even a, a hugely conscious thing. Uh, but I just noticed when I wasn't wearing makeup that it was a little bit uncomfortable. And I thought, well, hang about. There's, that's, that shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't feel uncomfortable uh, as myself. So I really sort of pushed myself to wear makeup less um, and obviously save money (laughs) on not using makeup. But I just found it really interesting um, how that sort of made me feel. And it did go away um, after a while. And that was what I was kind of promoting uh, on social media, just more just building um, or bringing awareness to other people as to what they might be using as a crutch and why they might be using it so whether it's clothing or just altering your state or altering your mood with with anything really with with something else Um, and in which case if you take that thing away and you're feeling uncomfortable or feelings are starting to surface then that might be an area to explore 
Yeah, and it takes huge amounts of bravery and self-awareness for you to actually do that. And I, I remember watching one of your lives and you were walking through central London and you were like, I swear everybody's looking at me, everybody's staring at me, I feel like such a mess. And it is amazing what a thin layer of foundation and a bit of mascara actually makes you feel and change. And I suppose that can work in a positive way in that if I work a lot from home, I really find that I find myself going into a bit of a downward spiral if you don't see people very much. And so what I tend to do is I get up, I get showered, dressed, and I put makeup on, even though I'm not going to see anyone. And I think that's a positive way of making yourself feel mentally better and prepared. But then if you are using it as a bit of a crutch, like you said, actually that, that can actually trigger you into, actually, have I got some deeper emotions going on here? Absolutely. And it's, it's so funny that we're talking about this now, actually, because I was having a real big think about this this morning. In, it's a fine line because taking, you know, putting makeup on and wearing nice clothes is part of self-care and it's telling yourself that you're worth it. Uh, but then the flip side is, is the using of those things to say you're not good enough as you are. So it's a very fine line, isn't it, mm. to kind of tread. And I think all that one can do is is be aware of that and aware of I guess the reasons that we use the things that we do and what what these things are doing for us yeah so when you first started what throughout your makeup career what kind of things were you doing what's in terms of what kind of makeup yeah, uh, jobs yeah. yeah what kind of yeah just your experience and and kind of uh, yeah what was going on in your life at the time so I was, I was initially trained in TV, film and theatre, hair and makeup. Um, so that's what I was trained to do. And I started in the filming industry and then I really enjoyed it. It was certainly character building in, in certain aspects of it. But I think what was lacking for me, and I realised uh, after about a year, was it, when you're putting makeup on an actor or a model or something they're sort of paid to be there and you don't get the not that I need praise and thanks but it's not the same emotional connection as I have with working with brides um, which I just happened to assist on a couple of weddings and that's that fed my soul so much more so that's mm. kind of where I moved on to with that but coming into to make up in the first place was uh, I'd actually been in uh, rehab for addiction um, about about a year prior, so I had some some time out. I think I came out in the January, um, and I didn't train makeup until later on that year. So I was kind of starting again, and and there's something really nice about starting again, having a clean slate and nothing to let go of or leave behind. Because essentially, I'd I'd really lost anything, everything rather. I was pretty broken. So what I was doing. Uh, during that year after I came out, um, sort of taking it easy and kind of learning to live again, if that makes sense. And I was thinking about, you know, what I want to do with my life and what were my, you know, strengths, um, what did I enjoy doing, what lit me up when I was younger. And it, well, I thought back to my, my art. I was really passionate about my art. Um, I love drama too, but art was a, a really big one me and I just used to get lost in my projects but a lot of my artwork was probably a little bit disturbing to be honest um distorting bodies and faces so when I thought about that I suddenly thought about makeup and prosthetics specifically and that side of things and that's 
what led me to then start looking into makeup schools and thinking about um, theatrical makeup and, and filming. And that's how I ended up going down that path. Um, it really is a struggle to success already, isn't it? Because you kind of, what, what do you think kind of led you to the point of rehab? Um, was it something that you struggled with, you know, throughout childhood with uh, parents or um, feelings of self-worth? And do you think that kind of fed into that um, time in your life? Yeah, it's, it's quite ironic. I've ended up where I have now, if you, if you think about it. But yeah, I think there's always been um, a real big emphasis on appearance. And I think particularly at school, um, you know, we all, we all felt that. Not, not, I mean, wasn't really bullied as a child or I was a, a bit of a chubby kid beforehand. Um, and, and maybe that, that stuck in a little bit. And then I had... As far as sort of addiction goes, what I ended up in, in the Priory for was uh, cocaine and alcohol. Um, so I think the alcohol came first and developed to, to coconut, and so, so it goes on. But before that, um, it was eating disorders. I yeah, wouldn't eat. I was trying to desperately lose weight. Um, it would come out in different, different things. If I put something down, then I pick something else up. And, and also exercise was another one for me, but that was after rehab. And I think very much the, the emphasis on appearance and, and how we judge each other and how we judge ourselves um, really leads us to put, I guess, too much emphasis on, on how, we, how we look. And this is such an interesting conversation with the whole Black Lives Matter thing. I've been interviewing some um, black people for the podcast. And actually what comes out of this is it's down to appearance. Like we are so judgmental about people's appearance, whether that's color, whether it's weight, whether it's any of those things that are on the outside. Do you think that has, has, has had a huge impact on you? And do you think that was kind of the main thing? for you that kind of I think it's so ingrained in us isn't it and it's very much how we were brought up and and what was normal for us back then through our childhood and we and it's stuff that we don't question unless we Mm. are prompted to question it and I think with certainly with the the Black Lives Matter um, and everything with George Floyd recently you know I was having a real big think and and I was quite shocked I was like actually gosh yeah I'm not you know, I, I have been privileged in, in that sense. And I haven't, it's just something I haven't thought about because it hasn't tapped on my radar. Mm. And, and that's where, you know, our environment comes in and, and it's a nature versus nurture argument as well. But what we, you know, what we're used to having around us or what we, what situations we put ourselves in or the people that are around us really change our, change our thinking or don't change, they, they decide our thinking for us. And then that's how we kind of pursue and go on through life yeah and you're right and when you're younger you don't know that you can question it and then as soon as you get older and and you have different life experiences you get more emotionally intelligent time goes on you start thinking actually do I want to believe this do I want to behave like this do I want to be this person and um, yeah sometimes it takes maybe going off the rails for you to be able to say what kind of life do, do I want to live I've certainly had that you know, pivotal moment of you know do I want my life to carry on going down this road or or do I want to you know change it and it's huge hats off to you because it's not easy and there's so many people that live unconsciously you know um whereas I think you're very conscious and even 
thinking this makeup's covering something for me i'm, I'm going to trigger myself into realizing what this is so that i can make myself a better person is a hugely hats off to you because it can't have been easy in rehab either i'm assuming you had to meet some uh, some very uh, tough things that had happened to you yeah well it was i mean i was pretty broken when i went in there i was suicidal um you know, before I just, everything was, my life was in pieces and I just didn't know how to get any of it back because it was, it was so far gone and it didn't happen overnight. And it was just being with that crowd and doing those things and, you know, everything supporting each other um, and not, not supporting me, but, you know, habits um, supported by the people that I was hanging around with. And it yeah, it's normal. Spiraled. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, during when I, when I was in there, it's a, it's a month long program, the ATP program, uh, addiction treatment program. And it's just therapy all day long, sitting in a room in a circle, talking about feelings and particularly everyone in that room, you know, addiction is normally getting away from your feelings in whatever way possible. So yeah, there was numbing them. People were there for shopping addictions, um, uh, there was drugs and alcohol, uh, gambling as well. So, but it was at, at the root, it's all the same stuff. It just comes yeah. out in different forms. And yeah, just going through, through that, I think maybe that's where, I, I think I've always been quite curious. I definitely was a curious child. But after you, after you just, you know, you're talking and talking and talking day in, day out, you start, you're questioning yourself the whole time and you're like, oh, wow, this is really interesting um and you're just digging deeper and deeper and i don't think that's ever really left me now which is why i question lots of things and want to kind of get to the bottom not that there is always a bottom but the more i'm picking you do you just discover these different things and you can do it with yourself you can do it with other people by asking them questions uh, and that's what you know i say just as much as you learn about someone else by asking them questions where they're from you know what they enjoy and hobbies and things uh if you ask yourself questions and have a conversation with yourself, you can actually uncover some stuff that you might not even, even know. No, that was there. And then you can make a conscious choice, you know, is this helping me or is this holding me back? And, you know, sometimes at, at certain stage in, in our lives, those protection mechanisms or whatever are helping us, you know, they're helping us to cope, but you do get to a point in life where you go, this is actually holding me back now. I don't need it now. Mm. And that's when you have to make a change and, and, decide to let it go in whatever way that is and for you that was rehab and how did you kind of get yourself back up and started because I can imagine you had to leave your whole your friendship circles behind your social life behind work like you said you had to go back into um, education you know courses how did you kind of find that transition when I left I the residential part I then was going to meetings so CA AA um, NA meetings and there's a big community there uh, so you know very very supportive but I did feel a bit you know it was it was like a different reality um, and integrating back into the world it was kind of one or, or the other and I actually made the decision that I wanted to try and do both um and sort of live in both which isn't really advisable um I'm, yeah sometimes i see things kind of black and white but so i did you know i i do um drink today um i am very aware of it and it can you know depending on what's going on um or if i have too much or over protective days it can sort of drag me in but you know abstaining felt just as uncomfortable as yeah. it would be having to battle it on a, on a daily basis. And you know what, it, it gets, it gets easier. 
in that sense. But, you know, after coming out for, for months and months, I, you know, I didn't touch anything. And I was very much like, you know, just got to stay on the straight and narrow and, and just, you know, stay okay and not kind of fall back into that trap. And I have no fear of me ever going back there um, again now. But, you know, it's a bit sketchy at first. It's mm. a little bit sketchy. And I, I remember actually, I, I just had this fear of the underground, going on the London underground. I couldn't go on the tube for ages, which is bizarre because that had never been a problem. Um, so these weird kind of anxieties. And I remember also, uh, I always talk about eye contact now, but eye contact's massive. And, and prior to going in, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't look anyone in the eye. Uh, when I was talking to them and, and that's something I didn't realize I was doing um, but then once I was aware of I found it very difficult and, and I think that's a big um, self-esteem kind of confidence thing if you don't have the confidence to you know face someone while and connect yeah connect yeah. with someone mm. and the thing with the tube I think maybe you'd have come out of rehab you went in with all these coping strategies whether they were healthy or unhealthy but when you came out you didn't have them so you must have felt so exposed and mm. it's no wonder you didn't want to get on the tube because I mean it's full-on at the best of times so when you're feeling that exposed and that kind of raw it can't have been easy to to get up and it's it's amazing you know what you have done and I just want to come on to that a little bit so you worked in your makeup artistry you retrained and you, mm-hmm. you've done some amazing projects haven't you yeah we've done oh gosh loads I'm so lucky that I've got all the I guess the training that I've had so it's not just the beauty side of things um we've done like aging makeup underwater photo shoots have been involved with and and films uh music videos and all of that jazz so it's it's exciting to get do different product uh, projects even uh and halloween's very busy for us making up zombies and uh, skulls and and it's good you know good fun i've carved out i think the best bits um and and get to do all the all the fun stuff which mm. is which is nice yeah definitely and so throughout your makeup artistry you started to realize that actually you felt as though you were hiding people rather than bringing them out and so you do something a little bit different now don't you based on your own life experience you've moved more into self-image and confidence coaching yeah and it was just a natural progression really it's something I think I've always done to a certain degree I've just had a makeup brush in my hand and I I I compare it to if you tell someone to go and tell themselves affirmations in the mirror, it's like really awkward and they wouldn't go and do it. But there's you know other ways around it which kind of have the same effect of building up self-worth. Uh, and it, it was that's what I said at the, at the beginning where it's far more about the connection and the conversations that were happening in my makeup chair rather than the actual makeup itself. And I think the real unrest for me was more how I saw the beauty industry changing and I this is where the where the book uh, came from and I, I just started to feel a bit uneasy with the amount because there's so many new brands coming out um, and it's you know very noisy now um, uh, on with just the the amount of companies bringing um, or new companies coming in uh, but also on social media in particular in particular with the marketing messages and you know they're all they all make people feel crap about themselves inadequate not good enough yeah yeah and it's almost like I had to kind of be a part of that and and also I think what was driving me a little bit mad with you know people always asking me about again it's like they fix on these products and the latest brand and you know I like branding and I like packages and you know it's nice to treat yourself to those 
to those things. But for me, it's always been about the artistry and it's always been about the techniques. And, you know, makeup products are much of a muchness, really. And I was, I, I, I would rather focus on what makeup could do for, for someone and how they could use it or even how you could make makeup go further by multitasking it and using it different places and, and doubling up and saving money in that way. So those were all the things that kind of excited me rather than this whole like, oh, next products um, after the next one. And then they just continue that one and bring out um, more stuff and sort of pushing all these products. That just wasn't really my, my bag. It's uh, consumerism, isn't it? And I don't think there's an industry that's bigger than the probably the beauty industry. And they thrive and grow off our insecurities. And so, yeah, I can see why, you know, with everything that you've been through, why you were kind of questioning that as an industry. And you've been able to find really creative ways of still being in that industry without kind of feeding into that consumerism and trying to help people see deeper um and obviously your book no filter needed which is just a great uh, title also kind of do you want to just talk about what that what that goes over yeah sure um so it's what well, we start off with just a little bit of uh, a history lesson just to um set the story i guess because we, we've used it, again it's ingrained in us we've used changing our appearance for thousands of years um to solicit power and status in in some way and and it's all cultures but in so many different ways i mean you know some cultures put stones into their skin or paint different patterns or stretch their lips or their necks it's just that in our culture um it's maker absolutely but i mean even it's changed if you go back to when you had um tan skin you were considered poor because you would be out working and now it's it's the opposite you know you've got tan skin because you can afford to to go away so Mm. it changes but again it goes back to that that judgment thing we were talking about at the beginning where we do automatically without thinking about it judge people just on on these beliefs that have been handed to us by the generation yeah Mm. and that evolves it's crazy, isn't it? And again, I was just speaking to somebody again about uh, interviewing them for Black Lives Matter. And it's not that this is told to us. It's society handing it down, you know, lessons that we learn from our parents, from our friends, you know, kids growing up, what's accepted, what's not accepted. And we're molded social media, especially now, which, you know, we didn't have when we were younger. And it's obviously such a massive part of the future, the, you know, the younger generation growing up. You can see how it just gets bigger and bigger and that needs to be challenged. Absolutely. And I I would say it's like the blind leading the blind. No one really means any malice necessarily. It's just things that you pick up and then you each support each other with these beliefs or get a bit like Chinese whispers and it ends up kind of false information um, or false thoughts further down the line. Mm. And so Uh, your your book um, after the history session goes on to a little bit about your history as well and... Yes, I mentioned a little bit about uh, my story um, and just sort of where where I've come from and how I've, I guess, um, I I mentioned in there that I felt like I never fully fitted in. And a lot of that is still a feeling that I have today, but not in a sad way at all. I just don't feel, I really enjoy meeting new people and I really enjoy learning about different people and learning about their ideas. So... Um, so yeah, so I talk about um, a little bit of my history and then also just how I, how sort of makeup came about and how uh, I began to feel, I guess, a little bit uncomfortable with, with the way things are going right now. And then my main aim with the book was to 
just raise self-awareness for people. Um, so we've got the, the beauty bullshit busting section of the book, uh, which, um, you know, outs the, the marketing tactics by the beauty industry, you know, to make you spend more money um, and some of the, you know, the claims being false and how they do that. But you can also put that towards any, any industry. It doesn't necessarily have to be beauty. And so I also talk about uh, digital marketing and, and social media and just the effects that it has on our health. Again, most people are, are aware, but unless, you know, sometimes it's nice to have these little reminders um, mm. just to be like, oh yeah, actually maybe, maybe, maybe I should take a break. Maybe that is responsible for making me feel, you know, plummeting my moods in the day at certain times and just maybe putting boundaries around it. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's sort of the big awareness kind of section. And then just looking towards, um, you know, changing your self image at the end of it. So really kind of digging deep um and i guess there's a bit on the brain sort of rewiring your thinking and just building your confidence from from the inside so you don't have to rely on external things yeah and so you can really connect with yourself and and sort of get get a handle on things and and feel more confident in your position to to be yourself and to i guess it's more life I guess more about enhancing your true self rather than covering that up and, and shoving it down and, and hiding in shame. And something that, you know, weaves throughout your whole story is confidence and, and how you battled with that and then how you work even through makeup artistry and now through your coaching, how you work with people to kind of use it in a more positive way. And uh, what's really fascinating about you is that you have had so many experiences of where you've almost reinvented yourself. So obviously you had rehab, but you also did the um, championships, didn't you? For the, oh, the, the bikini show. Yeah. That, I, mean, that was, <laughs> I could not believe when I saw that picture, like how did that come about? Was it again, just another challenge that you wanted to learn through? I, I was sorting through my office a couple of years ago and um, I found a bag of books, like my old notebooks, and on one of them was this bucket list that I completely forgotten I'd written and it, and it was on there. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I, this was at, at the point where thing, I was feeling a bit unsettled and I didn't know if it was a work problem or a life problem, a me problem. So yeah, a bit of, a bit of searching was going on there and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Um, so... So I did it, but I, I was supposed to do it the following year because I, I spoke to um, a personal trainer, a friend of mine, in I think it was maybe July or, or about August time. Um, and she just said, oh, you're going to need 12 weeks um, to do it properly. And, and the season ends in like October, November. So you best off to wait till next year. And long and short is this kind of opportunity came up and she was doing the show and she said, oh, do you know what? So I reckon we could do it. You know, you've got nine weeks. And I said, well, hang about now. I'm going, I'm going to Spain with my mum, and like, I cannot, she'll go mad. I cannot be on a diet in Spain and wreck the holiday. And I don't want to either. So it gave us, all it gave us was seven weeks. So it <laughs> back to Spain on the Saturday. Um, the next day was a Sunday when I start dieting and then seven weeks of the Sunday was the show. And yeah, just literally hardcore, the bare minimum of uh, foods and uh, just, yeah, lots of walking, lots of walking and just maintaining muscle as much as I could because I you know, couldn't really grow anything. But yeah, turkey, egg whites, salads um, and just black coffee and water. Wasn't really allowed Diet Coke, but I had it anyway. What, for seven weeks? And were you training as well in the gym? Yeah, not loads though, because I wasn't eating much. So the last thing I wanted to do was overdo it and end up losing muscle um, or, yeah, or just even having an injury or anything. So um, I'd say it was more the diet part that, that took um, 
yeah, that took the, the most out of me. But it was fine because all I was thinking about was that. Um, and that's the, the only thing I could think of because I knew if I let my brain sort of wander off anywhere else or, you know, you just relax a little bit. Yeah, you'd fall off the wagon. You'd fall off the wagon. You know, you'd just get caught out by someone saying, oh, just have, you know, this or whether well, it's a bit of food or, or drink or something. And then yeah. the whole thing sort of falls apart. So, yeah, I put it I put it before everything because I, I had to. And I figured it was seven weeks. You know, I've had I'd certainly had worse seven week periods in my life. Um, and it was just something I I wanted to do. And what so, do you think you learned from that whole process? Oh my gosh, I learned so much about um, so much about me, and I think again, it's this was physically stripping a lot of things back. Um, I always say you get to the root cause when you strip anything back. So mentally, um, and it can take some digging and some time to do, but just even how certain foods, how how sugar affects me, um, also what I can. Um, what I can survive on. I mean, I, my mom says I was an absolute nightmare. She said, yeah. again, I'm not speaking to you. And I felt absolutely fine. I thought I was a dream um, to be around and uh, not that I was socializing that much, but also it, it's interesting because I think, I think I made other people feel guilty about their choices, maybe drinking or eating certain foods sort of being around there. So I think it was uncomfortable for, for everyone involved, maybe even more so. Uh, Cause I think when people, when you're around people that are doing things that you might like to do or, you know, even like business success or something like that, um, you, it makes you feel bad, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think uh, you, you highlight people's failings, even though you might not see it as a failing. If somebody thinks, I need to lose weight, by you doing that, you're just saying to them, if she can do this, I'm such a failure for not being able to lose half a stone or whatever it is. And I think also food we were talking about crutches before and makeup food is a massive crutch for many many people and you have to be so super dedicated to be able to strip back any type of you know do you reach for the chocolate do you reach for the wine do you reach for the carbs you know there's always something that somebody has so it must all be all of them all of them so it must <laughs> have been really mentally as well quite tough and I, th- I think it's easy. I'm, I'm an all or nothing person. Oh, yeah. Um, just the way I am. So it's easier for me to take out everything. Um, but not, you know, I couldn't do that um, long term, but I knew it was only kind of seven weeks. Um, and, and this is a problem with, you know, a lot of diets and stuff that are on and these quick fixed diets that are, that are pushed around. Of course, they're going to work for, for a limited amount of time, but they're not a long term solution. And I think, you know, they can put you in a well, they, they often do put you in a, a worse off position at the end of it and you end up in this vicious cycle. And yeah, I can, I can, it's easy for me to cut. If I get a little taste of something, then I just want more of it because that's my addictive personality. So mm. I, I, again, I'm just aware of what I'm like. So it's easier for me just to park it all for however long and then come back to it rather than... How did you do, because um, you've spoken before about your body image when you were younger, coming out of having a body that physically, you know, that toned to then going back to a normal diet. How did you find that? Did you find it quite tough to see the body changes or were you just glad to get back to some kind of normal? Yeah, no, I, I did. And, it, and it's still kind of with me now to, to this day. So it was, 
November that was a show, so I went straight into Christmas, and boy, did I have the, the best guilt free <laughs> ever. <laughs> Eating everything, and you know, nights out and drinking, and, and you know, it was really, really good fun. It was really great. And then obviously January hit, and I thought, this is great, because everyone else is on a health kick and a bit of a diet. And yeah, so I did a bit of a reset for January, uh, and that was all fine. And it wasn't until later on in the year that I realized it was, it felt like a constant battle for me to live in one or the other um spending again it's your environment um determines how you perform or how you behave so you know it's making time for the gym as you know even just going there as a reminder to keep yourself kind of in in check and and good not necessarily having to do a vigorous workout but it's all part of that routine thing so when work gets busy or other stuff's going on um it can be quite difficult and especially with business if you're out networking you know, it's nice to go out for dinners and lunches and when you're always watching what you eat because I was preparing a lot of meals in, in Tupperware, which is great um, and really good because you know what you're getting. And, and also the amount, that's another thing I noticed when I was doing the show, how much time I wasted thinking about what to eat for dinner. Mm. And should I have that or shouldn't I have that? Do I want a glass of wine but I shouldn't have a glass of wine? And, and I just noticed when I was sitting in the office one day and I was thinking and I thought, well, I can't have any of it. So that's gone. And it's yeah. free- so much mental space and I realized how much of the chatter that goes on that we're not actually aware of it's just around food and what you can and can't have and what you should do and what you shouldn't do and yeah there's quite a lot to be said I think for maybe having I think there's a balance isn't there because obviously doing a show like that is so far the other way Um, but actually it says a lot for having that you know something in the middle that says we need a routine we need to maybe plan out our meals for the week or you know it might help to keep yourself in check um without I think being intentional with stuff and even just doing it for seven days this is what I really encourage people to do um it's just get intentional with with whatever aspects whether it's the sleep and wait time and just doing it over and over um for seven days and seeing what difference it's made you know getting up earlier in the morning or get um or um getting up later depending on whether you're a morning or person or a a night owl and same with food is eating at different times I mean I'm a grazer I like to eat um I prefer to eat sort of five six well all day long if I could and graze I instead of having three kind of main meals uh but sometimes people force themselves to have three meals because that's what the person they live with has Um, yeah and then in between meals, they're just having this constant battle um, with with their heads because they're kind of hungry or they want to eat something. So things, but being intentional with it really allows you to um, test it really and and find out find mm. out for yourself what works for you and and, and what doesn't. So that's how this kind of what you do now has come about, isn't it? So with your self-image coaching, you work with people one-to-one on building their confidence through your programs. And you can really see when you listen to your story, you know, where this has come from. Um, So it's just, it's just really great what you do. And you should be so proud of you yourself about what you've come overcome. How do you feel a lot kind of more that you're on the right path now? Yeah, I just feel... Yeah, I feel like I can be, I guess I can be me. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I've, maybe I haven't known who I was. And I, I think we, we're always changing because our environment's always changing. So we're always adapting. But I feel more, like, and it hasn't always been like this, but in this is where the unrest came. I felt like I was having to be something um, that I wasn't for the last couple of years, just as the way things were going. And 
it was time to, I guess, take a, take a step back and do, do something else or go in a, a different direction. And really what I'm, what I'm doing now is something that's been within me the, the whole time and something that I've been doing in dribs and drabs for the last decade with, with my clients and, and meeting people and learning about them. So I'm just... Uh, <laughs> Your little dog's just walked in there. Yeah. Sorry, that's all right. <laughs> what a ghost opening the door! Uh, gosh, um, and now pouring me. Um, so yeah, it's something. It's something I've been doing for a while now, um, and now I can just sort of fully go into it, which I guess is one of the the benefits, if any, of the pandemic. Um, you know that we're going through is I've had this time, and I, I guess I've been pushed into um, you know, d- doing this and really thinking about it and developing the programs that I have, which have um, just launched today, actually. Honestly, there is no, I absolutely believe that life experience is the best teacher and there is no teacher like experiencing um, all of the thoughts, feelings, you know, however negative and hard they are at the time, nothing teaches you more than going through it yourself. So the fact that you've been able to turn this around and then bring it to others to help others, and I think it's so needed. I think even if people can heal themselves, you know, if they've got children, they can, they can then pass that on. Um, and I think it's so important, isn't it, for, for society, really. Absolutely. And I think there's no point in having regrets because, you know, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the knowledge that I have or the interest in, in all the things that I do had I not gone through what I had. Um, and, you know, I've, before I thought, oh, you know, like all that, all those years kind of wasted and on self-destruct, but I, I wouldn't be, I don't know what I'd be today without all of that. So there's just no point in having regrets about anything. It gives you a certain depth, I think, doesn't it? When you've been through harder times and you've come out the other side, it does give you a depth and an emotional intelligence and understanding that I just don't think you have otherwise. Totally. And, you know, what doesn't kill you? It makes you stronger. stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Obviously, you've got the book, uh, No Filter Needed. Um, what, how else is, can everybody get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, that camillacollins.com um, is my website. It's got um, links to, to all the, to everything, the books on there um, and my programs um, and yeah, everything you need to know. And I hang out on Instagram a lot, which is at Camilla J Collins um, on Instagram and also the same on, on Facebook as well. Quite, quite easy to find. Yeah. Thank you so much for telling your story. And um, yeah, it's just been fascinating and it's brilliant that you've been able to turn your um, struggles into helping others. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, been great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Watching you, watching you.